Ryan Flynn had felt a great weariness. He thought that he was, in fact, a normal man. Of course he'd desired women, but he'd made a bargain. The rules, at the moment, said that if he were to be a priest, then there must be no marriage, no children, no normal, good family life. Father Flynn always told himself that this was a rule that would one day change. Not even the Vatican could stand by and watch so many people leave the ministry over a rule that was made by man and not by God. When Jesus was alive, all the apostles were married men. The goalposts were moved much later. And then all the scandals in the church were surely making the slow-moving conservative cardinals realise that in the 21st century some adaptations must be made. People didn't automatically respect the church and churchmen any more, far from it. There were hardly any vocations to the priesthood nowadays. Brian Flynn himself and James O'Connor had been the only two ordinations in the diocese eight years back. And James O'Connor had left the church because he'd been outraged by the way an older abusive priest had been allowed to escape either treatment or punishment by a cover-up. Brian Flynn was hanging in there, but only just. His mother had forgotten who he was. His brother despised him. And now his sister Judy was making a trip from London to visit this cracked pagan well and wondering would it work better if she came on the saint's feast day. Father Flynn's parish priest was a gentle elderly man, Canon Cassidy, who always praised the young curate for his hard work. I'll stay on here as long as I can, Brian. Then you'll be considered old enough and they'll give you the parish, Canon Cassidy often said. He meant well, but at times Brian Flynn wondered, would it be better to let nature take its course, to hasten Canon Cassidy to a home for the elderly religious, to get someone, almost anyone, to help with the parish duties? Attendance at church had died off a great deal since he was a young man, but... People still had to be baptised, given First Communion, have their confessions heard. They needed to be married and buried. And sometimes, like the summer a Polish priest came along to help him, Brian Flynn used to think he might manage better alone. The Polish priest spent weeks making garlands for St Anne and her well. Not long ago, Brian had been in the junior school at St Ita's and asked if any of the pupils wanted to become nuns when they grew up. Not an unreasonable question to ask little girls at a Catholic school. They'd been mystified. No one seemed to know what he meant. And then one of them got it. You mean like the movie Sister Act? Father Flynn felt that the world was definitely tilting. Sometimes when he woke in the morning, the day stretched ahead of him, confused and bewildering. Still, he had to get on with things... So he'd have his shower and try to pat down his red hair, which always stood up in spikes round his head. Then he'd make a cup of milky tea and a slice of toast and honey for Canon Cassidy. The old man always thanked him so gratefully that Father Flynn felt well rewarded. He'd open the curtains, plump up the pillows, and make some cheerful comment about how the world looked outside. Then he'd go to the church and say a daily mass for an ever-decreasing number of faithful He'd call to his mother's house, heart in his mouth about how he'd find her. Invariably, she'd be sitting at her kitchen table, looking lost. He'd explain, as he always did, 
that he was her son, and that he'd make her a breakfast of porridge and a boiled egg. Then he'd walk down Castle Street to Skunk Slattery's newsagents, where he'd buy two newspapers, one for the canon and one for himself. This usually involved some kind of intellectual argument with Skunk about free will or predestination or how a loving God could allow the tsunami or a famine. By the time he got back to the priest's house, Joseph, the Latvian carer, had arrived and got Canon Cassidy up, washed and dressed him and made his bed. Later, Joseph would take the old man for a gentle walk to St. Augustine's church, where he'd say his prayers. Canon Cassidy liked soup for his lunch, and sometimes Joseph took him to a cafe, but mainly he took the frail little figure back to his own house, where his wife Anna would produce a bowl of something homemade.